Sullivan testing the Portuguese. You know, I like to be fit and healthy, so the best way I know is to just get out there and run. Running was an outlet for me to, I guess, feel good about myself and, and take out some of the angers that were going on in my life. Sonny O'Sullivan is going to take the world title back to Ireland. One of the keys to, like, maintaining your brain mass is pushing past that comfortable zone physically, you know, exercise-wise. Imagine you know, a world where everybody could go out the door and engage in the kind of exercise that's going to make them more relaxed, more healthy, burn off stress. Hello and welcome to another episode of An Irishman Running Abroad with me, Jarlath Regan, here in the UK and Sonia O'Sullivan down under in Australia. Sonia, how are you? I'm good, thank you. Yeah, another another week done and uh, yeah, the clocks have changed and we're in the dark. <laughs> it's a big week, a big week and a lot to talk about because a couple of weeks ago we did, as you might remember, a deep dive discussion on figuring out whether you have a niggly pain or a full on injury, a crucial thing to know and be able to decipher. It was a great conversation, but it left me and Sonia and everyone else who listened to it clutching their shins, hips, knees, neck, shoulders and feet for about seven days. I've never felt so sore after listening to something. And then last week uh, we talked about bouncing back, you know, uh, resilience, getting up off the canvas. And the very next day, Sonia, you hit the deck. Uh, now, I don't know how this came about, but can you tell us about this fall that you took? It was it was just totally out of the blue. Uh, it was one of those things. I was actually having a bit of an easy week, and um, I had after we talked about all these niggly injuries and if they're real or not, I had actually booked myself into the physio, and I decided that I wasn't going to run that morning on Tuesday, and I was just going to instead go down the beach with Nick together. We don't do this very often, <laughs> but actually go for a walk together with the dog, with Winnie, and. Um, yeah, I was just down the beach and, you know, the dogs are playing around down there and I could see Winnie and this other dog up in the sand dunes and they were eyeing each other up and I could just tell they were going to, you know, just go at high speed down the beach. And it was one of those moments where I didn't know what to do. And normally I just kind of stop and stand still because you kind of think, well, if you move, you'll move the wrong direction. So I figured, okay, I'll just stay where I am. And they'll go around me. And one of the, Winnie did, but this other dog, I, I really don't even know what happened. But he ran, from what I can work out, he ran into me and I, I just ended up on the ground. No way. Face down in the sand. It was like the biggest shock ever. Like, and I was in like huge pain. And I'm not very dramatic about these things. but And it wasn't any leg pain or anything like that. It was kind of one of those things where you... You know, when you eventually get yourself up, because pretty winded was the big thing, mm. you know, because it was just such a, I, I don't know, I must have went, actually been in the air at some point. Oh, my God. And um, <laughs> it was one of those things where I was kind of, okay, okay, I touch all my like arms and, you know, collarbone, shoulders, there's nothing broken here, ribs. <laughs> and that was all I was thinking was, okay, there's nothing broken like that, I'm fine. And I just took a few deep breaths. And then, you know, there was nothing we could do. So we just had to, you know, keep walking slowly. <laughs> oh, my God. But hold the, the, the phone I... here for a second, Sonia. So this dog comes down off the sand dunes and upends you, literally runs you over. What kind of a dog is it? <laughs> yes. It was, it was just, it wasn't a very big dog. It was like a, what do you call them? A Kelpie. So it would be very, it was very similar in size to Winnie. So you know, about 20 kilos, not not very big, really. Mm. Um, I mean, there could, there could have been more damage to the dog than me. <laughs> Impact. But we did, we did, we spoke to the owner and everything. But, you know, it was just one of those things that it wasn't, it really wasn't the dog's fault. It wasn't the owner's fault. I, I was just in the wrong place at the wrong time. And it was just pure unlucky. 
Oh, the fright of it is, is big it as well. Like it's yeah. it's bizarre this happened to you because it actually my mother got knocked over walking on the curra by a, a dog, a beautiful happy golden retriever, and you know she's. Uh, you know, an elderly lady, and I was very, very scared for w- what could have happened in that situation. But I guess you don't think of it, that it's going to happen to you, do you? You don't. You don't think that there's possibility in this day coming up that I'm going to get run over by an animal. But I mean, no, no. I, I mean, I. That's, what, that's exactly what I said when I got up. I said to Nick, I said, I said, you know, she. I mean, what? What if that was an older person? You know, they would be. You know, a bit more fragile than me, maybe. And he said, "Yeah, what? Like me?" <laughs> <laughs> you know. So, you know, it was one of those things where you just kind of you're like you're a bit stunned, I think, for a while about it all, and you're trying to replay what happened. And he didn't really know because mm. you know he, it just was so one of those things that was so quick. And it wasn't until you know we continued on with the dog walk and went off the beach and around a bit. And it wasn't until we got home, you know, about an hour later that I kind of said, oh, my knee's a bit sore here now. This isn't quite right. But, you know, when I knew I had my appointment with the physio later in the day, I was kind of heartened that, OK, well, at least I can go in here, explain what happened. And, you know, she'll have all the solutions for me. Yeah. And what was what was the word? Well, I suppose the reason I was going to the physio in the first place was to do with a a chronic injury. So it's like a thing in my foot that, you know, it's just one of these wear and tear injuries that I manage it pretty good. Every now and then I feel it a bit more, maybe if I stand on a route or something like that. Hmm. And I just got to the point and I thought, I better go and check, you know, is this okay or do I need to, you know, do something to sort it out? So while I was doing that, then I also said, and then I also have this traumatic injury that I received this morning. <laughs> and, you know, it, it, I mean, it's, you know, I had to, you know, it's just one way of dealing with these things. You know, you kind of think, how can this possibly be? You know, And so it turns out that the, the knee injury was actually worse than the reason I was going there. Oh, my God. In the first place. I should and, point out now, um, if, you so were, I, if you were in an NHS doctor, they would say, you've got to make a separate appointment for that, I'm afraid. <laughs> <laughs> it's two separate things. <laughs> I think we've all had that uh, time where you, you bring your kid to the to the doctor or someone else is in the doctor and you go, I've actually got a sore back as well. But this, this is big because this is like, you thought you were going down there for one thing and sure, I'll just check if this thing's all right. And she says that this is, yes. this is big. Yeah, so I even got a name for this thing, you know. I got diagnosed with a, what then you call is an acute injury. So this is something that, you know, came on really fast. Mm. And it was a diagnosed as a MCL. Oh, so no. So not quite an ACL. Yeah. <laughs> an MCL. Yeah, so that's Straight. one of the ligaments on the, on the right or left-hand side of the knee. It's on the, the inside of your the knee, inside, so yeah. it's actually not too bad in that it's, you know, if you do your ACL, you know, you hear all sorts of horror, horror stories hmm. of that with, you know, football players and like, I suppose, any team sports where there's contact, those injuries normally happen. So, yeah, so I was told that, you know, this is what it is and, you know, you're going to have to take it easy for a bit. And, you know, that, you know, when, when you do, when you have an injury, like an acute injury, something that, you know, happens just, you know, all of a sudden, it's not something that you've been thinking about or feeling for a long time. You have to really act fast in what you do. And like, it, it was kind of a, um, it, it was, I don't, in some ways it was enlightening for me to see you know, the whole, what what went on this past week with this injury, you know, it went from me hobbling up and down the stairs to a few days later, you know, I'm feeling, wow, I can walk up and down these stairs with no pain. Hmm. Like the progress of the healing was amazing by, you know, being quick. Hmm. And, you know, by being quick, I was lucky I had a physio appointment so I could get the diagnosis and the direction very fast of, what I should do and you know very quickly with some ice and anti-inflammatories there was noticeable difference in you know how I felt yeah and you know and, and even and then 
compression as well, you know. So I had the ice on and I was tying it around me and keeping it. And I was doing this a few times a day. And it was just a reminder to me of, you know, the simple things that you can do to help yourself. And and that's why you know, rather you, than just kind of go off and sulk. Yeah, exactly. You know, go you could go and feel, sulk feel in the corner. And, yourself. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, which which is one method, from. which is one method of dealing with it. I know that uh, most of us have done that the odd time. You're like, I'd rather not know what the injury is. I'd rather just be sad for a while <laughs> in the in the knowledge that there's something wrong and I don't know what it is. And it is why you uh, came to me and said that this is what we should do today's discussion about. And I know there's going to be tons and tons of listeners who are like, thank God for this, because after the niggly uh, injury clinic that we did, we did have a lot of people getting in touch saying, I'm trying to come back, that I'm through the phase of figuring out whether it's a real injury or just one of those pains that comes with running. And I'm trying to return. So this will definitely be essential listening because it's nearly as as we said last week, failure is inevitable. So so in so many ways is some form of injury at some point in your life. And having had the first hand experience of navigating this this past week, you've obviously been reminded of some of the the, the key components in getting it right. Yeah, and, you know, it wouldn't be very often that I would have had an injury like this, you know, where it's so dramatic that, you know, it stops you in your tracks and you automatically, you know, once you've done all the practical things that I just said there with the the rest, the ice, compression, elevation, you know, the kind of what we read in the first aid book, then you have to kind of pretty much throw out your training plan. You have to just kind of take a step back and, you know, you can't even consider continuing what you were doing. That's hard, uh, though, to, isn't it? That, you know, like that, I mean, I imagine for you that, yeah, that, that has to be hard, especially with the progress you've been making. That And that's kind of a that's a wrench for a lot of people. Yeah, it is. I think when people are going really well and then all of a sudden it's like, OK, now I've got to, I'm going to get unfit here and I'm going to have to you know, get myself back up to speed again. And I think that's why I wasn't very good at dealing with things like this when I was competing at the high level, because if you did have an injury that eventually caught up to me, then, you know, and you had to stop and take a break. I For, for a short time, I would be of the mindset that, well, if I can't do it properly, I don't want to do it at all, you know. Mm. And instead of kind of thinking, okay, well, five minutes is better than no minutes mm. or, you know, going for a walk or, or going for a cycle or going to the gym, just doing something is better than doing nothing. So, you know, in many ways, it's easier for me now to do it because, you know, like a lot of people out there, I mean, running is the easiest thing for most people to do. It's the most efficient thing we can do. Mm. And, you know, it doesn't matter the weather. It's easy to get out there. But, you know, I was quite happy when Ellie, my physio, and she's also a marathon runner who's um, she's hoping to be on the Olympic team um, oh, really? for Australia this summer. Yeah. So that was that was the first time I've seen her as a physio. And that was one of the reasons I wanted to see her, because she was local to me down the coast. And um, yeah, so it was kind of nice, I suppose, to do that and to see how she could help me. And she was very, you know, very helpful. But one of the things she said to me was, oh, you you can ride the bike will be fine. In fact, it'll be good for you because it'll help to strengthen the muscles around your knee. And so, you know, that was like, you know, happiness to me was the fact that I was going to be able to ride my bike. And, you know, when you're when you have some soreness and it's sore walking around the place, it's such a huge relief to get on the bike. And because there's no weight bearing on the bike, you can you know, you don't feel any pain and you actually feel good and you're able to feel some bit of speed, you know, rather than hobbling around the place and being reminded of, you know, what's wrong with you every step that you take. Um, but the the key thing was that you can go on the bike, but, you know, don't be out there running for hours and up hills and things like that. So it was mean, mainly going on the bike for transport, you know, use it for transport if you have to go somewhere just for an hour, just to get out there for a bit of fresh air. And that's exactly what I did. Very 
cautiously initially. I had to go coaching on the Wednesday morning and I decided I was going to go by bike. And, you know, so then I had a destination to go to. And I can remember when I was getting on the bike and thinking, oh, what what if this doesn't work here now? Mm, what if this <laughs> I'll be late for training. Mm. <laughs> and it was one of those things where I started off very cautiously. And I know I did because um, Nick happened to be on the same bike path. He told me later on that he could see me up ahead on the bike path and he was gaining on me. <laughs> <laughs> And he, which he wouldn't normally do. <laughs> he says, are you wearing red and white socks? And I said, yeah, like, where's Wally? That was me. <laughs> my red and white socks. So it worked out fine. And then I did a similar bike ride the next day on Thursday. And I think just having, when you go to bed at night, knowing, you know, that you've got a bit of an exercise plan in your head, mm. it allows you to kind of step away from the training plan that you had. Yes. And, you know, you just put that aside and you kind of think, OK, well, the main thing here now is to get back running as soon as I can. Hmm. But I've got to really detach myself from it for a few days until well, I'm certain. Can I get in there, Sonia? Because I can, you know, go out and test it. it. It is a gear shift that can probably throw up some insight into how you are treating yourself and talking to yourself, how the attitude you have towards your progress on things, because like you say there, when you reference your time at the elite level, the attitude of, well, if if I can't do it full on, then I'd rather not do it at all. And that kind of uh, laser focus and all or nothing attitude uh, you know, we're not all we're not. We've obviously the listeners aren't competing at that level. Well, 99 percent of them aren't. But we are all in danger of having that kind of black or white attitude towards this thing. And that precipitates or permeates our life with an attitude of, you know, I guess, cruelty to yourself that like you needed to be hard on yourself at that time. But when something like this comes up, it kind of calls upon a tenderness towards yourself that you might not be practicing. That, yeah, that's that's really true. And, you know, I think it it does remind you and you kind of nearly see in yourself that you're allowing yourself to, you know, take it easy and, and allowing yourself to heal, I mm -hmm. think, because, you know, if you're out I can't run, so I'm out there and I'm going to hammer it on the bike, then you're just, I suppose, I think you're putting yourself under pressure in other ways that take away from the healing process. So I think if you can somehow convert your energies that you would normally have into going out there doing a hard session or pushing yourself or feeling that, you know, more is always better, but using that energy to try and heal yourself then I think it helps to, you know, get you back better sooner. Mm. And I think just being aware of the small progresses that you make every day. And that was what was amazing me this week was that every day it was like I was feeling a little bit better in a different way. And, you know, it's 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 a, I suppose it's kind of something you kind of think, well, surely you've been through this before. But but I haven't in I haven't allowed myself to be patient mm. with an injury. Yeah. And then also, I think, like we say with motivation in in training and like the feedback that you get from doing stuff gives you a positive energy to keep doing what you're doing. And I think it's the same thing with an injury is that if you get any little bit of positive impact information back every day, then it gives you the motivation to to believe and to have confidence that you know this is the right thing to do here I've got to be patient I've got to take my time yeah and take it one step at a time and then eventually I'll be able to get back to where I was but, so, you so know, would there's not you really recommend, any rush and yeah because that's re I've never heard anyone say this the way you're saying it and it, it it makes me think that the training logbook which as I've said a bunch of times and I say to everybody that will listen is a revelation that maybe rather than going, oh, well, I'm not keeping my training logbook, 
that now actually is when you need it most because each day you need to be clocking as you say the the positive affirmation or feedback that you're getting from the improvement in the health of the injury yeah I mean, in some ways it can be a little bit of a catch-22 sometimes because if you filled out your training diary and it looks fantastic the past few weeks and then all of a sudden <laughs> you have these empty gaps and you know your strava your kilometers for the week is zero <laughs> Um, you know, you, could, you you have to just not look at that and, you know, not kind of be concerned about things like that, I think. Mm, yeah, that's a um, bit of OCD, isn't it? And then that's it? when you have to write, that's when you have to write things down. So, you know, I, I had these, you know, in, ex, special little exercises to do for my foot to build up some strength there. So because I wasn't rushing out for a run every morning, I actually had time to do this. And this was you know, the exercise that I was doing first thing in the morning before I, and so I was using the time productively to do something else that, you know, in a normal time would just be an extra thing that I had to fit in. And, mm. you know, these little exercises that you do, they can be so important, but they can also be so kind of time consuming and they don't really give you the buzz that you get <laughs> yeah. going for a run. Yeah, 100%. But they actually, they just fill in a bit, they fill, they fill in a bit of time when you can't go for a run and then you have to kind of write it down and say, yes, I did my exercises. Yeah, there's no buzz off <laughs> curling uh, your toes 35 times. <laughs> you don't go, oh yeah, that that's, that's exactly. <laughs> that's exactly what I've been doing, you know, and I'm not very good at it. <laughs> so it's like even worse, you know, you're kind of thinking, I'm not making any progress here at all, trying to lift my toes off the ground and keep the big one down and lift all the other ones up and leave the little other ones down and lift the big one up. Yeah, nobody posts an Instagram video of that. <laughs> Going, pumping it in the no. gym today, guys. Check out these toe curls. <laughs> so are you no, trying to lift up like the that, towel? Are you doing the, the towely, the towely lift thing oh, that you taught me? Yes. I'm pull it, pulling in the towel as well and yeah, and got the spiky ball going and a few heel raises. So, yeah, yeah. luckily there's only about six exercises, well, so you, I can actually go through them <laughs> every day. You know, it is. I think this is really going to help a lot of people, Sonia, because, the you know, in the same way as we talked about mentality a couple of weeks ago, this is a mentality shift uh, towards an, a nurturing uh, mindset. Sometimes, like, I, I feel that being a parent helps. And I know that not everyone listening is, but uh, oftentimes when I'm struggling to find that kindness for myself uh, in situations like that, Tina has said to me, well, what would you tell Mikey to do in this situation? And I'm sure that everybody has a, a younger person in their life that they would, you know, feel empathy towards. And if you don't, well, you know, you got to maybe go and, see somebody about that <laughs> if you're struggling with empathy. But when it, when she puts it that way to me, it's so funny the way you will extend kindness to someone else, but not yourself. And once you have a child in your life, you go, oh, of course, I would tell him to take a break and, you know, treat himself right and uh, allow himself to heal. But I, I would struggle to do that to myself. Did, did becoming a parent yourself uh, help you access a more nurturing attitude for yourself, Sonia? Not, not initially, no, I don't think so. Because I think mainly because Kira and Sophie, they were both really young and I was still competing. Mm. So I think I still was kind of pushing myself quite a lot. And I, so I would separate things a lot. Yeah. So I would separate my time with them to my time training. So yeah. the time training, you know, I felt I had to be very efficient. I had to get as m most out of it as I could in the time that I had. So I definitely was high energy in the training hmm. and yeah, would continue to push myself equally as hard. But I was able to, you know, change my mindset as soon as I walked back in the door. Hmm. And, and I think I suppose the one thing it did help in some ways was that if something was bothering you, then you could easily be kind of softened mm. by a smile, you know, or something that made you laugh, yeah. you know, would kind of 
to distract you from from something that could really get you down. Yeah. So that did help me a lot. And what about um, when you're looking but, at, yeah, at, I, at Sophie now as she trains? Uh, are, are you much more like or even when, you know, our, our listeners come with with their issues, are, are you like having lived it and been through so much of it? When you see other people and their situations are like, I think we've asked this question in a different kind of form that like it, it, it must still be tricky then to apply or give advice to people when you have your own kind of version of that advice for yourself. Yeah, it is very difficult. And I think it's very difficult because the way people do things now is quite different as well. The way people kind of pass on information and give out instructions to people in training environments, it's quite different than the way that I would interpret a training. Like I was always, you know, more is better, faster is better, you know. Hmm. You were just always going nonstop. There was very little downtime and very little focus on the recovery things that probably have equal value as the the hard training part of it. Um, well, it's funny so, you bring it up, Sonia. Yeah, I can see. No, I can see like how different methods have different ways of achieving success. Whereas when I was competing, I think it was like as if there was only one way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it yeah. was like and miles were the answer. Know, head down and as <laughs> yeah. hard as yeah, and then if and then if you couldn't do it, then it was like you were stumped. You didn't mm. have another outlet or another way of managing things. And I think, you know, there's a lot more information out there now, and there's a lot more proactive ways of dealing with injuries and setbacks. That, you know, people, if something comes up, you know, of course they're not going to be happy about it, but at least they can very quickly switch to an alternative. And something that's proven and known that works and will get you back. Whereas when I would do my cross training and different activities when I couldn't run. And I think that's probably something that allows me to take it more easy now is that when I was training at a high level, if I had to do cross training, that was just so much harder than any running training because you had to do so much more. And you didn't get the same benefit from it. Yeah. <laughs> it was just like you were banging your head against the wall. And I never looked forward to it. And you were Whereas totally conditioned. This week when I went out on. You were totally conditioned oh, to believe yeah. that miles I, were, the, were the thing and that this was this was time wasted. Yeah. And it was just about burning energy and, you know, not not gaining any weight was always a big thing if you were injured. So maintaining your weight and then somehow maintaining your fitness but it was all non-weight bearing so you had to put in so much more effort to get any kind of similar benefit and because you're not weight bearing then your muscles are they're not gaining the same strength as when they're running on the road or around the track well i think we're really due this strength and conditioning episode uh, that we've been talking about you and i uh, for months now doing a really really strong strength and conditioning episode and maybe bringing in a guest to talk about it so that that's in the pipeline but it's funny you bring up the benefits of taking it easy uh, because that does lead me to our email of the week, our email of the week comes from a man named David Kelly. And like you say, there's so much information out there that I would imagine that like for a lot of the listeners, I struggle sometimes to filter out the noise. That's why this show has become so important to so many people is because you do put it in very straightforward, no-nonsense terms, what is essential. And you have said to me this thing of taking the easy runs easy. And I, I don't think I took it in until David Kelly emailed me. He says, Hi, Jarlathan Sonia. I've been listening to the Irishman running abroad from the very start. It's a great podcast and lots of amazing advice for runners of different abilities. I really enjoyed the last episode. It's funny, I remember you posted something uh, one day in the group about injuries and strength training. And I wrote back to you saying, 
I had been running injury free for over a year. And I gave you some advice on what to do regards stretching and strength. Well, soon after that, I picked up an injury (laughs) and I haven't been able to shake it since. Today's episode is really for David. I haven't done a proper session or workout in two months, which is very frustrating, as we described. But I'm using this time wisely to do lots of strength and mobility work. And I'm still able to do some easy runs and hopefully I'll be back uh, full running soon. That's not the end of the email. One bit of advice I would give you would be to keep the easy days easy and the hard days hard. And I know you've been told this by Sonia a few times, but I get the impression that David looked at my Strava and was like, he's not going slow enough on the easy days. And he, he he's 100% right. He goes on to explain a breakdown exactly how slow I should be going and explains that and maybe this is the one that got into my head. He said the Kenyans and the Ethiopians all do their easy runs at about a nine minute mile pace uh, when their uh, marathon pace would be uh, five minutes per mile. I mean, is that correct, Sonia? Because honestly, when David said this to me, I then went out and really tried to go slowly, right? Like really tried because I have it in my head like you did. I've got to try and hammer this run <laughs> on some level. But when I try, when I tried to go slowly, like properly tried to go slowly, I felt a million dollars coming home. And it's why I made David the email of the week, because as much as you've said it's on you, I have not taken it in that those easy runs done properly easy can be so restorative. It's miraculous, nearly. Well, for the Kenyans and the Ethiopians, you know, we'd imagine that they're all out there flying around the place all the time. Hmm. Um, I know when I was training in in Teddington and they would always, the Kenyans were there in the 90s and they would always start off so slow like you know it would be painfully slow that you couldn't go that slow sometimes <laughs> and and even sometimes the day before the race you might bump into some athletes that you might know like Moses Kip Tanui or William Tanui and you'd start off having a jog with them because you'd be having a chat but then they'd be going so slow <laughs> They do actually pick up the pace eventually. (laughs) And so if you don't stay with them and you start running ahead, they'll eventually hunt you down (laughs) and you'll pay for it. So I think they start slow and they warm up and they gradually pick up the pace and then they really get going. Mm. And, you know, there's there's no keeping up with them then. Um, But they were always very gentle on the days before a race and, you know, the warm downs after a race you know so i think that is it's a good thing to remember is the differential of time and pace between your slow runs and your fast runs the greater Mm. that can be the greater it can be the better the better and i probably saw the benefit on yeah go ahead really easy then you know the the fast days become so important that you actually get something out of it because you feel like well, it was a piece of cake yesterday. I was just wandering around here, mm. getting fresh air. That you really put in the effort on the hard days, and you're and you're more able to do it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I, I feel I feel a little bit silly. I'll be honest with you. First of all, massive thanks to David, who also said he signed up for the Sonia uh, Cove Ten race, and has donated on our I Donate page for the Irishman Running Abroad Challenge. Uh, but I feel, I do feel a little bit silly because it's taken me <laughs> six months to get this into my head that uh, the that what slow actually means what what when you had written down easy pace what that means but I very much doubt that I'm the only listener to this podcast who is making the same mistake so maybe give it a go this week as your as your challenge to really go super easy on that easy run if you're not already doing that and let us know how it goes. Irishmanabroadpodcast at gmail.com is the way to email the show and we would love to hear from you. We read out everything. Every uh, e- We read every email. We don't read out every email. We read everyone and uh, 
also people have been getting in touch who won the Elevation Challenge were listed in that top 10 please do email me at that email address to claim your Irishman Abroad badge which is a very limited edition and only given to legends so it's like the Blue Peter badge of the Irishman Running Abroad podcast uh, Eileen Gomez was of course in touch to claim hers uh, an absolute road warrior Eileen nearly gets a shout out every every week on the show because the numbers that she puts up are still bananas to me just running around Gibraltar still still amazes me when I'm here running around flat old St Albans and struggling up these hills I did want to say as well Sonia though that we had selected our book of the month this week it wasn't available on Audible I didn't what was the name of it again Charlie Spedding Last to First is the title is that correct? It is. And I actually was reading um, a few reviews before. I always like to read the reviews and see what people think. And a lot of people feel that the title is a little bit misguided, that, you know, he wasn't really from last to first. That he was actually a pretty good runner once he discovered distance running. And, you know, I think his early days of running were a bit similar to me in that oftentimes when people are, introduced to running that it's there you're introduced to the 100 meters and mm. sprinting mm. and we don't we don't all have the fast twitch fibers and um it takes you a while to realize that there's other events that you can do i, I mean people know more about this now but back in the day we didn't always know this yeah you could um, quickly get labeled so a it, slow person a slow, uh, or not an athlete yeah and you you know if you line up in 100 meters i mean i often lined up in the the parents race or the mother's race at the school sports yeah and people would be you know thinking oh that i would kill them you know and i said well yeah maybe if we maybe if we do a lap first <laughs> then i'll be okay but standing here you know in and they're all lining up in their bare feet <laughs> i'm thinking i have no chance here because i just can't start i need a bit of a running start to get going <laughs> yeah. um but you know the the 50 or 60 meters that we're running here you know it's just not enough and would you lose to get going. you would lose those races oh all the time yeah yeah no i couldn't <laughs> win at all no. imagine but, and, and, what it felt so like losing. to be that mom though who won that race and got to go <laughs> home and tell everyone <laughs> I beat so you Sonia. lose the race but then you also have the pressure that you have to do it so you yes. can't not do it because you're you're a runner, so this is what you do. <laughs> and, and I'll be trying to bring the start line back half. You know, let's go a bit further down the field here. There's <laughs> a bit more space. Amazing. Oh. And I would try. I would try hard, but I uh, didn't quite get there. Uh, yes. So anyway, what do you have to say about Charlie's fitting? Well, I, well I've only really just started it because I ordered it on a World of Books uh, via eBay. I found a second-hand copy. I sometimes think that we should be avoiding just for the planet buying random books on Amazon and having them print a new copy when there are plenty of copies of it roaming around in the world. So I managed to pick up a copy for £2.50 on eBay and it arrived on a Friday evening while I was watching the golf. Uh, so I've just started there, but uh, I think I found the book for next month, which is a Malcolm Gladwell book that people may know called David versus Goliath uh, and Sonia this is a great listen and I just it happened to be on my watch on on Sunday when I headed out to do uh, my virtual 10 mile road race for you and uh, it really helped like it's one of those books that is going to really help people with the it's basically around the idea that Goliath doesn't necessarily have the advantage and that sometimes being the small guy is a benefit in life. And consequently, I went out and did did my uh, did my virtual 10, my first ever 10 miles. Like I, I couldn't believe I couldn't just uh, like I am massively grateful to everybody. I don't want to harp on and on about this, but there's absolutely no way that I could run 16K in the way I did on Sunday with the ease that I did without you, without the encouragement of the listeners, without this community that we've created. Uh, I wasn't emotional. <laughs> I mean, it is just 10 miles. But at the same time, it's very special. And it, like you keep saying, 
we are all running apart, but we are all running together. And I really I felt that on Sunday. I could feel all the other people that were out there doing it, too. You must have got inundated with messages from people doing the race. Oh, so many people and particularly a lot of people running in Cove and they actually took on the normal Cove route, which oh, really? is fairly undulating. Yeah. And, you know, when we've had the when we're every year when we come around to planning the race and you get calls from people to say, oh, can you not get rid of some of the hills? <laughs> <laughs> there were so many. But there were so many people went out and they ran the hilly route and they said, you know what? I think we've got to stick to this route for the next time because it's just the best. It's so good. And it's actually I, I had um, Terry Murphy in Cove look up the actual amount of elevation gain <laughs> while we were doing the elevation challenge. I kind of realized that. There's, you know, as hilly as the Cove 10 mile route is, it's probably not that hilly. And it was only something like 134 metres in elevation gain altogether. So I reckon there's as much downhill as there is uphill. Yeah. <laughs> but, there's a lovely um, down. I noticed there's even, a big run to the finish line on the route that is a downhill, which must be a great buzz coming down that hill. It's lovely, you know, you run into the town and, you know, in normal times you'd have people on both sides cheering and it's just a lovely finish area because it's kind of a, you know, you can have people on both sides and you're right in the centre of town hmm. um, and there's, there's a great buzz about it. Um, so, yeah, and the weather was great again this year. Yeah. Um, so it was great to see so many people out there and then they all managed to had a photo with my statue at the end so <laughs> it was it. like I was it was like I was there <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, that is that is um, the finish line is at the statue in Cove fantastic I mean it, it, I hope it raised a ton of money for your your chosen charity our chosen charity here as always on the Irishman running abroad is jigsaw.ie a tremendous Irish youth mental health charity that's doing just the most um, like saying you wouldn't believe the emails I get from people from the work that Jigsaw have done with kids and young teenagers struggling with different things from it could be just anxiety, not to diminish that. It could be loss. It can be much, much more significant self-harm issues. And Jigsaw have literally saved these young people's lives. So if you can support the Irishman Running Abroad Challenge, it's idonate.ie. Just search my name there. And you and I, Sonia, have to find our next challenge. And I think like the hair stood on the back of my neck when uh, you said the next thing is the half marathon. I mean, I, I can't like I still kind of shake my head like Tina's still like this is bananas that this is happening considering as we know from my my fitness graph exactly how unfit I was when this thing began do you think we do an event prior to the half marathon event would that be wise oh absolutely yeah we'll definitely have to you know come back down and a bit more speed I was looking around to see what kind of events are coming up and in the UK there's actually some events starting mm -hmm. you know getting going again but a lot of them are sold out already it's, it's crazy it is crazy um, you know, how ready the uk is to open up right now today is the the 12th and the barbers open today and everything non-essential is opening today it's a it's a little bit scary but it doesn't surprise me that those are already sold out on you because english people are so ready to open up it, it is bonkers and, and a little overwhelming, I have to say, especially for somebody who's been as careful as we've been. So we may just have <laughs> to I do a also, virtual one. Yeah. Um, well, I, I did. Oh, there'll be a few things will come up. We'll be able to find something. I did also find that the park run is due to return on June the 5th. In St. Albans. And in there's one in a park near you. The park begins with V. Oh, how yeah. How do you say that? That's Virilanium. I, I never know how to pronounce it, but it's it's a big Roman <laughs> park That's area. That's the one. And uh, yeah, so I'll get on yeah. to that. Yeah. So this past weekend, they actually had the junior park run was down there. On, and that, how Mikey, do you know more about my town than I do? <laughs> Is this happening? 
<laughs> I'm so I'm such well, a shut in just in my room I, recording podcasts. Sonia's <laughs> keeping up on the local. You're part of the, the road WhatsApp group now. <laughs> it's ridiculous. You're enlisting Mikey in runs well, I, that I don't know about. It was been, it was great to see the junior park run come back in the UK this past weekend. And they have junior park run in Ireland as well. And, you know, people would be very keen to get it back. I know there's one in Cove and my dad is a big volunteer up there. He loves to go and help out every Sunday morning. And so hopefully they'll get back in Ireland as well. But the junior park run is just two kilometers. Oh, and it's one of those in your your local park every Sunday at 9am I believe so if Mikey is feeling motivated to show you up yeah. he might go down there and uh, <laughs> do a 2k one day yeah no let's let's be honest give and Mikey then, his due and all these kids that have been locked down that you know they are they are reluctant to do stuff I find and you know while he is up for it I think that uh I am gonna need to go look you've been enlisted <laughs> say that this is happening whether you like it or not. You do have to register, though, that's correct. You've got to sign them up. And is there a fee? No, no, it's free to sign up. And I think you should do this this week. I reckon you you should sign up for Park Run yourself this week. Okay. And print off your barcode. And if you have a laminating machine, it would be ideal to laminate it because... Mm -hmm. Then it will keep in one piece when it's in your pocket when you're running around. Love it. And then you'll have it ready to go. Love it. For June the 5th. (laughs) Okay, right. So check that out. And and even it's amazing to look at the map. If you look at the map of of the UK, the amount of park runs is unbelievable. Like I had to really zoom in and move around to try and find where the closest one to St. Albans was. They are mad for the park runs. They're mad for routine. They just love, you know, they definitely love putting the towels out on the loungers and, you know, getting things booked up nice and early. So we're all organised for the summer. Uh, they, they love that feeling. And I think you've definitely know that you've been in England long enough when you start to think the same way. I've started to make my plans for returning to Ireland in July, July 22nd. So my hope is that so at some point in August or late July to try and touch wood, gather some uh, listeners together to do something together. Wouldn't that be wouldn't that be amazing? And would there be any chance of the goat, Sonia Sullivan, being there? <laughs> that that would be fantastic. You know, I, w- I would love to be a part of that. And I and I hope to be. Um yeah, I'm working on a few travel plans myself that we'll have to get to some time, but they will hopefully eventually end up in the UK on the way to Ireland. Amazing. Um, so, yeah, it's just everything is so up in the air it at is. the moment. It's hard to plan. But, you know, I think once things do start to get going, then, you know, it would be great to do that. We did it last summer. I did a few events last summer in Ireland and we did a couple of running camps hmm. and got a few people together for some runs. And it was amazing, you know, just small numbers and people just appreciate it so much and and really look forward to it. Absolutely. Well, look, uh, we look forward to that and we touch wood and say whatever prayers you have to do. I think it's on the way for Ireland. It definitely feels like the vaccine quantities are increasing and so is hope with uh, with it massive thanks to you Sonia as always I'll, I'll chat to you now about my running plan that's what we usually do is have a quick chat about my plan for the week and I'll always post it in the Strava group if you haven't joined it already I don't know why I mean maybe you're the kind of person that's like I don't want to be in that group but it is very non-competitive and it's so supportive it's definitely one of the reasons why I've gotten this far along the challenge Strava.com forward slash clubs forward slash Irishman Abroad. Brian Connolly is on production as always and Tina and Mikey make it all possible and we'll talk to you next week. I look forward to it next week. Have a great week. Together, and he waves it to the